Breaking the cycle to step forward. Authentic conversations from lived experience and a professional perspective in overcoming abuse with Chris Tuck and Beverly Ann. Hello and welcome to Breaking the Cycle to Step Forward. I'm Beverly Ann and today I'm joined not only by the wonderful... Hi everyone, Chris Tuck here. Nice to be uh, said wonderful. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) But our special guest today, not taking it away from you, Chris, is Pauline. Hello, Pauline. Hello to both of you, and thank you very much for inviting me onto your podcast. You're welcome. Yeah, we're very pleased that you're with us. And for people that don't know us and who are watching or listening, we've both known Pauline for some years, and I met Pauline through you, Chris. You did indeed. Yeah, and that was um, over something that we'll talk about later near the end. But Pauline, why don't you just jump in? We can see you've got your name up as Pauline Take Cover. We'd be really interested to hear what is Take Cover so that the others can can hear and know, because obviously we understand what Take Cover is. But would you like to share it, Pauline? Yeah, certainly. Um, well, Take Cover came about um, a few years ago now. Um, and uh, I'm a survivor of sexual abuse, ritual sexual abuse. And um, it was, I could say, right from when I, I had my breakdown in hospital, um, I was talking to inpatients in there who thought I was staff. And uh, I knew, I knew deep down that I had something I could give to to others. And it was only when I went through my own therapy and my own healing that I wanted to to, um, set up, take cover uh, for a number of reasons. One, a big one is there's not enough trauma-informed help for people in in the UK, I would say. you for to, as a survivor you really need to have more than just six weeks cbt say um and uh, i was lucky enough to have that um therapy my therapy went on for over two years um but i set up take cover to have a peer-to-peer support group to have a safe space that people can come into survivors can come into and feel supported um i'd like it to be peer-led um it offers resources um tools that come from not just me from 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 you know whoever's whoever's there um and it's just a safe space so you could be going through therapy but it's that it's that in between time that you may need to be supported um, you could be going through a court case and, and you could come in to take cover and be supported. Um, you could have gone through the, the judicial system and come to be supported. There's many, many reasons you could be impacted by, by your um, trauma and you can come in and be supported. Um, so there's many reasons that um, the ladies that do come um, come to be supported. Um, I'm not a professional, and that is is 
uh, I say that right from the start, but I come from a lived experience. I've gone through all the feelings, I've gone through the trauma, I, I live the impact of it every single day. I'm still on my healing journey, um, but I'm now in a better place now to be able to offer that support to others. Um, and, and that's really what I wanted to do. Um, and I'm doing now. I can I can actually say I'm doing now. That's <laughs> fantastic. I remember, of, I remember talking about wanting to do it, um, and now I'm actually doing it, and it is really taking off. We've just celebrated our first year, so um, yeah, it's really good. And I've just taken part in a, a big event the other weekend in our local community. Um, let's get talking about suicide. The actual event was caused, but it was all organisations there um, because you know suicide is one of the um, impacts of, of of child sexual abuse. It can be, yes, um, and um, or the ideation of it. Um, yeah. is, um, so um, you know, I you know I went to that. This was Take Cover's first event. And I was blown away, the amount of um, people that are interested, the amount of messages I had since afterwards. Um, and, um, you know, I had some lady ask me, can I come to the Isle of Wight and start a group? Wow. <laughs> blown away. And now this lady apparently is going to be coming over uh, next month to attend Take Cover. Um because there's nothing like that in the Isle of Wight. Yeah. Uh, men, I've had men come to the stand, um, and you know, if I can, if I had an interest, I would start a men's group as well. Because my group is women only at, for now, and then I would like to later on do a men's group. Um, I've had, I've had, I've had interest. Yeah, it's looking. Yeah, sorry, sorry. That's okay. So I, I, I could just see that Chris has got a hand up for a minute. Right. So oh, yes. sorry, <laughs> That's okay. yeah. sorry, Chris. Carry on. No, I was just trying to um, just break up what you were saying just a little bit by okay. bringing in some other questions. So okay. you just told us what Take Cover is about. It's a peer-to-peer -peer support group that yeah. you've set up because you felt that there wasn't that kind of therapy in your local area. And now that um, you've done it for a whole year, you've had your first year anniversary, and now you're trying to grow it and you've had other people come along and say that they want to replicate your model, which is brilliant. You've also shared with us um, why you started Take Cover and you just spoke about um, ritual abuse. Mm -hmm. Could you explain to our our listeners what what that means to you? Because obviously it's going to mean different things to different people. But what does that mean to you, ritual abuse? How do you describe it? Okay, I'm glad you said it. what it means to me um, because um, through my childhood, I was ritually abused. So ritual abuse to me was um, I had uh, a number of people involved in my abuse. I was, it was in a, in, in kind of like a, a structured way. I was taken to a place 
which I would call the chain, which I called the chamber, they called the chamber. Um, and I was prepared for abuse. Um, in other words, I, I was prepared for rape, you know, um, and um, rituals, they would chant, do all chanting. Um, so there was the followers, which is all the people that are around in the chamber. There was the master and Satan. Now, never saw Satan. They were all talk up, but it was the master that was heading up the, for me, I never saw Satan. Um, and, um, but he was mentioned, he was mentioned. Um, the master, I could have said it was my father, but I couldn't categorically say it was him, but he was the main prominent, he was my main abuser. And so I was taken to this place. I wasn't just taken to the chamber. Over the years, I was taken to other houses. I was taken far away into woods, um, many places, um, and then just given out to men to do, you know, whatever it was. And, so, and thank you, Pauline, because ritual abuse is something that, and I'll be very honest, and we've spoken about this before, when we met in person years ago in Manchester, was, you know, I'm a survivor of abuse, Chris is a survivor of abuse, but ritual abuse wasn't something that I'd even considered. And yes, you see things in, you know, in films, but I never even considered something went on like that here in the UK. So thank you for giving us an outline. And obviously with any kind of abuse, as we've spoken before, it happens in different ways for different people. It does. It does. But we really appreciate you sharing from your own perspective. Thank uh, you. Yeah, I hope I've been sort of done it. Elaborate. I didn't want to elaborate. So I believe in self-care for everybody. And it is a very triggering um, thing to talk about. So and I just want to would um, you know, I would say, you know, paramount for self-care. Absolutely. Chris. I just wanted to reiterate um that we sort of like decided that we wasn't going to go into any detail and even the detail that you shared which was just an outline it will be really triggering for some people to hear that that actually goes on and that you've actually put a voice to it but at the end of the day even though we're not going into detail it's important that we do recognize that ritual abuse does go on it yeah. does exist sometimes it does. it's called sra satanic ritual abuse yeah. sometimes it's not called that so it does exist it does go on there are charities that help survivors of sra of ritual abuse and we just want to um acknowledge all of victim survivors of that type of abuse that are out there and that are suffering in silence because child sexual abuse just on its own is taboo and horrific yeah. to even listen to but mm. I personally think ritual abuse goes to another level where it's can even I, more horrifying can I stop you I should put my hand up I'll put my hand up like that but <laughs> I can do it. I've only got one arm so um can I just stop you there Chris and just make a point of what you just said 
Is yeah, that when I once I've finished, yeah, of course. Oh, sorry. So, <laughs> um, so it for a lot more people, it's even harder to hear about. Okay. <laughs> And it's just like we want to make sure that we do acknowledge the victim and survivors of all forms of abuse. And one is not more um, in a hierarchy than another. However, it's important to acknowledge all types and the impact from any type of abuse. Um, it's going to be different on all of us, each and every single individual that's undergone any type of abuse. So I just wanted to make sure that we put that out there. Yes, very true. Thank you. And I'm sorry I interrupted you. I That's all right. It's That's fine. okay. It's what we're having. We're having a conversation. <laughs> and right. I'm sweating. <laughs> <laughs> no, and for anyone listening, they know we do this as a conversation. And exactly, yeah. we often, in our enthusiasm, speak over. So, Pauline, you wanted to say something there as well. Well, Actually, Chris, I should have let you finish because you, after you said, because you said about there's no hierarchy, mm -hmm. and and that's really what I was gonna was gonna say. And Chris, I have a lot of people that come to me and say, "Oh, Pauline, oh, you know, you've gone through so much more than say, yeah. somebody who's just had one um, abuse." To me, Incident, one abuse yeah. is enough it, 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 yeah. one abuse is the same as you know that's it once you've been violated it's no different you know okay uh, people have been violated more than once twice three times but once you've had it done once that to me is you know there's no hierarchy as that's what i'm trying to trying to but you know i yeah, don't think that i've gone through more than somebody else no but it's really important to i'm on echo aren't i no. Right. Um, I think it's important that people hear it once, twice, three times from all of us in different okay. ways because we're repeating the same message, but it will come across differently to different people depending on who they tune into and mm. who they resonate with. So you saying it again, brilliant, because it comes across differently. Yeah. Thank and as you. we know... Yeah. As we know, each individual experience is unique. Absolutely. That is that is the key thing. It's absolutely. So before we move on, Pauline, I just want to ask for, you know, because it's, this is an education and it's raising awareness. OK, so you mentioned your father um, and we're just going to do an outline here. So it, your parents were involved because a lot mm. of people don't realise how much abuse starts from within the family so this started with your parents taking you to somewhere now the two things I wanted to ask you was first of all how old were you at the beginning and how old were you when it stopped and secondly from people looking outwards into your home mm -hmm. what what were they seeing or not. Okay, so I, I lived in a, in a three-bedroom detached house in a village. My mother worked in a local newsagents. My father was um, worked in an um, uh, engineer. He was a, a glassman. Um, and um, just an ordinary 
on every anybody looking in would think we were just an ordinary family, you know, like there, there was no indications yeah. that there was anything going on in those four walls. Um, and uh, yeah, well, there was. Yeah, and and this is what is important because too often people sit, say, well, there's nothing going on because they can't see something, but that doesn't mean to say that behind closed doors there isn't. And it is very hard to be able to ask those questions. But I very much believe, and I know Chris has got her own thoughts, and we all do collectively believe it's a, it's about opening these conversations to raise awareness and education. So how young were you, Pauline, when they first took you? Well, let me just say, I was probably about three when, it, when I remember it all started. Yeah. Mm. Um, my father, it was all about teaching me first. Yes. In the home of what was, well, what I now know was going to be happening. Yeah. Because, um, and, and it was a, about indoctrination, really, continuously lecturing me, telling me um, that I've been chosen. Yeah. Um, and how thankful I am to be chosen. Um, and they, first of all, I had to witness them both doing things, and then I had, and then he he would do things. Yeah, yeah. So that was how it started. Um, and then I was drugged as well to begin. Yeah. With. yeah. Um, and then I was taken. Um, yeah. How old? How old? Or five? I, I can't tell you specifically in age that's no. the other thing about being abused is timeline and even day and night yes yeah uh, you, you can't I, you know when people say no well, how old or what time you know I, I can't always say a specific age or date or time of day sometimes. Well, come, comes your everyday norm doesn't it it's just just I would sometimes be taken away for you know more than a day or whatever um and um yeah so when i get asked questions like that i i don't always can categorically say the correct answer because i don't yes. know yeah chris i was just going to ask pauline um about family life as in when did you feel that you could speak to someone maybe outside of your family about what was going on for you inside the family or maybe you couldn't um when you did speak up to whoever or who you shared with what was the reaction what was the impact of actually you speaking up or speaking out my earliest memory of, of wanting to speak out was um at secondary school um, and I, I had an English teacher I just was drawn to, and um, I would sit outside her office all the time. Um, and sometimes she'd invite me in, and but the words never came out, never came out. It never happened. So, carry on many, many, many years later. I was in my forties when I had my, um, I had two breakdowns. One in two thousand and seven and one in 2009. In 2007, 
the, the uh, I think I couldn't speak out then. It was about just getting my medication. That all they were interested in is medicating me and getting me to a point to leave hospital. Um, but my second uh, breakdown in 2009, I was 10 weeks in the hospital. One night I cut, I got up, went into the kitchen. We're talking, I don't know, early hours, it was, it was late. Um, um, I had a cup of, sat down and this nurse came and sat with me. And it was her, it was then, I spoke out. And um, she then um, obviously spoke to her superiors or whatever. And then it, that's how it's really started. Yeah. What uh, did she say to you to unlock that conversation? I can't remember exactly, Chris. No, I not verbatim, a, but I think it was generally. a case of uh, why are you up? You know, are you you looked sad or something like that. Mm. And, and she had, you know, I went on a lot about how people looked. So she looked really kind. It was the same for the English teacher. Yeah. You know, they looked, they, they just had such a kind face that you want to be, you, that's what, it wasn't really a lot about what she said. It was, it was about how she looked. Do Does you think you sense? felt safe? It felt safe, yeah. It just yeah. Felt, it just felt, you know, come sit with me. It's it, it, and I just the, just the kindness. Yes. Nobody's given me that kindness before. Mm -hmm. Nobody. Yeah. And you've just answered a few things there that often we we get people asking questions about. So what I'm hearing is the first time you had your breakdown is that you were being drugged. And one of the things is. Was that a trigger? Because no one's listening to you. They're drugging you. And that's a bit of a mirror. Well, not, not a bit. That's a huge mm -hmm. mirror. So it's not surprising that you then went and had the second breakdown or breakthrough, whatever yeah. language you like right. to use. Yeah. And this is what's so wonderful about when people talk about trauma-informed, one of the things I always think about is, like, I know we have to have a name for it, so that we can educate and raise awareness. But real trauma informed is being as that nurse was, providing that safe space, just asking, you know, how are you? Yeah. Being able to sit there and hear, you know, like you're, you're being able to be in any space that's right for you. And the other thing that really shows as well is we know, all of us know, because of the messages that we grew up with, etc. Some people don't understand how long it takes to be able to disclose for the first time. Yeah, it's not, it's not easy. And I didn't really um, just say too much, but enough. Yeah, yeah. You lifted the lid. Just enough. Yeah. And, and it took many, many years since to lift that lid. It's, I'm yes. still lifting that lid. Yeah, I'm still, still lifting that lid. I can't believe I still am, but I am. <laughs> well, we're like an onion, aren't we? So when we yeah. go to recovery, we we get to one level, and it's like, okay, that's where I am now. Now I'm ready to go to the next. So it's as you're ready and you progress. Chris, your thoughts? Just jumping in there. I uh, don't want to talk over people. Um, it's My often. Job. 
with victim survivors or individuals that have gone through abuse, suffering trauma, they often tell a little bit to see how it's received. If it's then treated with an appropriate response, they will feel safe to give a little bit more or to give all. But if the response they get back is not an appropriate response, if they feel silenced or unsafe, they will lock down again and shut up. Yeah. yeah. So it's really important that we get to understand these little nuances of how people speak out, don't speak out, the actual verbal and the nonverbal, and sort of like be in a position where if I was the nurse speaking to you, Pauline, and you told me a little bit and I understood what was going on, like just make sure that I'm not hurrying you, making sure that I give you time to breathe and not, I don't mean physically breathe, but literally just to give you the time to allow you to come out with it as and when it's right for you. So you're saying it's taken you a few years and you're still, you know, releasing bits and pieces when you feel ready. That's absolutely fine. I'm of the mind myself, and this is what I've done, is that I just go, bleh, because I want everybody to know everything up front because that's what's right for me, yeah? And we've all got different ways of dealing with our stuff. Mm. But I still won't blur out to people unless I feel that they are a safe person to have mm. that conversation with because if it ain't the right person, it can be more damaging to you and your recovery. So I just yes. wanted to put that in there. Yeah, absolutely agree with that. Um, I um, I, I've, I've talked all about my abuse and then what's happened. I've done that, but then other things come into play, feelings and things come into play later and you think, oh, I haven't, that's like a light bulb moment, you know, you think, oh, I need to deal with that. I have recently. Yeah. Um, you know, and you think, you think you're done. You think you've done. You think you've done that blur. You think you've done that blur out. Because I did. I talked a lot about my abuse in, in, in therapy. Um, but then it's other, as I could just say, it's like other things. Emotions, feelings, impacts. And let's be honest. I mean, we've all made, said that conversation. Oh, I've, I've done my therapy. Thank you. That's, that's done. But the actual recovery and healing I believe personally now looking back and that's, you know, how I work going forwards, it's learning how to, first of all, self-care, because often that's the biggest thing that we didn't get growing up if we've been abused, because there is neglect there of some form, let's be honest. And we've had, we've received different messages. So it's unlearning those messages. But then it's those emotions that, you know, you don't get through all of that without blocking your and pushing down your emotions. So it's relearning how to allow that emotion to come out safely in different experiences, because life is not just a straight pathway. Definitely. But it, it, each time, because we all, all still learn, you know, there's uh, different experiences. Being vulnerable, learning to be vulnerable, as I've said before, has been the hardest thing and still is. I still work on that. Because to me, vulnerability 
is not safe often. Can I just but, ask Pauline a question before we move on? Um, what is the one thing that you would have probably liked to have happened as a child now that you're an adult looking back? What, how could someone have intervened in your life and help protect you? What, what is the one thing that someone could have done, do you think, that might have helped you? Or do you not think that uh, anyone could have helped you? No, I think absolutely they could have helped me. If um, There's lots of indications, I think, where a child, you could, like body language, um, the pastoral care in a school, and there was no pastoral care in, I mean, you know, I'm 60, we're going back a long time so there was nothing there was no so I was always put in first sitting of of um, meals because I'd still be there in third in the last sitting because what was I doing I was looking out the window look I was dissociating what I now know as dissociating there was lots of signs that something wasn't right in me as a child that I think I could recognise well because I've gone through it, but I think I could recognise in another child if I saw it. And I think it, at grassroots, it starts right from when you're a child. It, they, it need the teachers or need to be trained to look for these these signs and and. If you turned up at school though, Pauline, and that was your normal outward persona how would a teacher I'm playing devil's advocate here how would a teacher know that things were going on with you if that was your normal persona that you were showing to the world or were you different at a certain age and then you changed so the signs were there what is it do you think that they could have picked up on I was very shy, very inward, very like. Uh, I'm you might not have the answer, but I'm I just trying to answer. pick it a little bit. I'm trying. I haven't to got the it. answer. I haven't got the answer. I see. Yeah. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Um. I'm just trying to get to understand because when we've had these conversations, Bev, we've sort of like said it's really important for teachers to look out for not only the loud child that's misbehaving also the child that turns up as a perfectionist like the helper to mm. the teacher and doesn't want to be out with other children for example or the one that's so quiet so you know into themselves um i, I don't know what the right word is um so insular yes. that they that they don't speak out so it's almost like we're expecting teachers to look out for all of these different signs and when they've got a class of 30 odd kids unless they really know the child and the child has changed from one extreme to another, it's going to be quite, I would imagine, quite difficult for them to pick up, especially if you come from or you are perceived to be, if they look at you, you're in nice clothes, for example, you're clean, you're hygienically clean, you're fed, yeah? So when I turned up school, I was none of that. So it was quite easy for me in my mind to say, well, that kid's neglected. I might have looked like many other kids because that's there was a lot of poor children back in the 70s and 80s. But I'm just I'm trying to give teachers a bit of a break here and understand 
what is it we want them to look out for? Because it can be so many different things. But maybe now we could give those into we could give those signs, those things to teachers now. Okay, we didn't have them in my time, in our either time, your time, whatever. But now we keep keep having these conversations. Absolutely. Teachers will come look at this podcast or whatever and, and just, I think people need to go into schools and just, you know, people like me or you, whoever, go into schools and, and tell the teachers, you know, so, teachers, not tell them, you know, have that conversation now. And we may not have been able to do it years ago. And then, then if you keep having those conversations in years to come, people will say, well, yeah, you could have, because you were told about. But also, I think what's, I, you know, we spoke earlier when you, you talked about um, Take Cover and you went to the event, you were invited to a suicide event. You know, at one time we didn't want to talk about suicide because we believed that if we talked about suicide, we'd maybe create that for somebody. There was always that, that theory behind it, whereas now we know that actually by opening that conversation, we save lives. We open that conversation. Mm -hmm. And I think also in schools, we need to have, you know, things on the wall even in schools, in in infant schools, in junior schools, in senior schools, age-related that, you know, we've had different podcasts talking about this. You know, what is abuse? What's healthy? What's not? Because all three of us have experienced it throughout our childhood, but we outwardly, had different personas and we outwardly showed different signs. So that's what's fantastic about this. And thank you so much, Pauline, for your honesty. And that's why we asked you on here, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> one, of, one of the other things that was noticeable with me, I was bullied, like bullied. Yeah. But I'd allow that to happen because I thought that's all right. You know, that was that was me getting attention. Yeah. Um but in those days and um, the teeth teachers ignored that they ignored yeah. that I was I was bullied at one one time by a whole classroom yeah literally taken into the classroom in the whole classroom it's through the whole whole well not the whole school but the whole year or whatever was yeah. in that classroom yeah and um I was beaten up yeah did nothing no no nothing. and and I had a similar experience from moving schools when I went from being at home and put into second school and uh, again, second one, but it wasn't, I'm going to say, and some people might find this shocking, it wasn't the worst beating that I'd got because I'd already experienced a lot more different things that were worse. Exactly, exactly, yeah. the same here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I just want to loop back a bit, Bev, because um, I think this is really quite fascinating about uh, responses of adults in children and young people's lives, like noticing um, the signs, signs mm -hmm. and symptoms. But as we said before, it can be so broad and it might not be picked up on. So I think that any person that uh, works with a child, young person, CYP, um, I think they just need to really tune in to the children that are in their care, whatever setting it might be, mm -hmm. understand what is, quote, normal for that child and 
just have conversations with the children, young people on different levels and check in with them. What's going on for you? You know, uh, is there anything I can help you with? Is there anything you want to tell me? Just be a little bit of probing and just have that almost what Pauline was saying earlier, what that nurse had, that kind face, that time to invest, to listen, to really get to know and draw out when there is something going on or if a child or young person then notices that kind face or that kindness and then they feel safe that they can have a conversation or, you know, show signs of. So I just think it's really important that we need to sort of like just really grasp that gold moment there that we've all sort of shared. Absolutely. And and sadly, that time aspect that it takes isn't always available. But as adults in that environment, we need to be able to go back and make that environment happen at another time. So mm. that's that, as you said, these are all gold points. So thank you, Pauline. So moving on from there, because I want to go back to right at the beginning when I said that how we met each other. Okay. So I obviously knew Chris and you knew Chris separately. And Chris had her radio show and I'd been a guest and I came back on again and met you. And you were about to do something and raise some money. What can you remember? Yeah. What it? What I'm talking about? Yeah. <laughs> can so, you remember every bloody step she can remember? <laughs> so, um, I, I'd had weight loss surgery in 2016, and I'd always said that after that I wanted to do something for charity. It had to be a, a an abuse charity. I came across Chris. Chris's charity. I liked the ethos, everything about what Chris what, what Chris does. Which we'll uh, put in uh, is survivors of abuse. Survivors of abuse, yeah. Um, deals with a whole body, like mind, nutrition, everything. I liked that. Anyway, so and I also was about have given my body respect now. Giving it the respect it deserves. I was all. I'm still all about that. Even though I've got because it's been through so much. It, the mm-hmm. body itself hasn't got a voice, and I wanted to let it let it know. You know, you know. Thank you for getting me through this. And I wanted to do something and raise some money, and uh, I chose Chris Tuck's charity. So I um, chose to go to China to walk along the Great Wall of China. And the reason I chose that one, because I had various ones I was looking at, was because at the end of the trek, on the last day, you get to put a message under a brick on the wall where they're repairing the wall. Um, And uh, the government had to give the organisation permission to do this. Um, And and that's what did it for me. So, um, yeah, so for a whole year, um, along with my colleague as well, I must mention Jo, um, (laughs) she decided to, um, because I I just jokingly said he wants to join me at work, and um, 
Joan Joan came along and, and said yes. So she came along with me, which was great to have somebody else I knew anyway. Um, and uh, there I went for five days walking along along the wall and raised five thousand pounds in doing so. But it was having those conversations along the Great Wall of China with complete strangers about my my trauma, about abuse. You know, one of the leaders came up to me, she's got two daughters, or oh, what can I do? What can I do to make my daughters safer, you know? Um, peeling a banana, sitting on the wall, talking about abuse, I mean... <sighs> It's, it was incredible, an incredible, humbling experience. And, and you know, lovely to be able to raise that money for Chris, uh, Chris's charity. And how many steps was it? Because you're not saying. Oh, God, I, don't, I can't remember how many steps it was. <laughs> it, it was, was a lot, that. wasn't it? And we're talking very steep steps as well. <laughs> it was a lot of the walk is where the tourists don't go. So, um, so a lot of the steps were very, well, some parts quite dangerous, but you've got the leaders, you've got the guides there. And uh, it was, um, it was hard. Every day was hard. I, I had to push myself. Um, but it was, a, it was very humbling. We met, I met some lovely people. I'm still friends um, with some very special people. So coming back from China. Yeah. You achieved all that. What did that open for you, Pauline? Uh, it gave me confidence to go out and have those conversations. It got me thinking the more about take cover and doing it because it, it took me a while to actually literally do it because I haven't got a lot of confidence. I didn't have a lot of confidence in myself, self-esteem. Um, that has grown and grown and grown, um, and, um, and and yeah, and that's how Take Cover really as well came about. And I'd like to say that I've obviously I've attended because Take Cover is located in Portsmouth. So yeah. for anyone listening, um, Hampshire, well near yeah. Portsmouth, isn't it? Yeah. So it's. Yeah. <laughs> so um, and it, you meet once a month, the first Monday of every month. Yeah, and that's it. Yeah. Haven't. Yeah, near, right near the station, isn't it? It is. The beauty of it is, it is right near the station. And um, um, in actual fact, we have people coming from Portsmouth, from 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 outside of Haven't as well, Fairham, quite further afield. Um, and if it and this lady I've uh, been in contact with is going to be coming from the Isle of Wight, um, which is incredible, really. Um, so yeah. Well, if she jumps on the hover, what's a hovercraft? What's amazing is we think of it so far away, but actually it's not that far from heaven when you think of it. So no, it's just how to cross the river. That's that's the only thing. She worked but, all the um, times out while I was there at the stand. She walked, looked it all up and uh, yeah. So. Fantastic, fantastic, and that would be great to replicate more because. 
you know, it's a great message. And I was indeed there on your year celebration, which is fantastic. And for anyone listening, we will put a link to take cover um, to the website in listening to this. But um, we're just aware of time because I'm the timekeeper. I just want to, to give something personally back. We didn't talk about this, Pauline, but there's something behind you that people can see a little bit of it. And what it is, is you have something that you've you really enjoy doing creatively, don't you? Like, photography. Photography. <laughs> photography. Yeah. And I just want to share this. So yeah. the picture, you can see the little bit of it behind Pauline above her yeah, head. Yeah. Is actually this this one. Yeah, and yeah. I've known Pauline for quite a few years and she's can you see that better? Yeah. There you go. Yeah. So that's a book that Pauline um gifted me and did this herself. And what's so special about it is it's all it's all positive, but every picture in this book is a picture that she's taken herself and she created this book. And I'd like to say they're available for everybody else, but they're not. They're not, but I've got one. You've got one, but it'll be unique as well. So um, one day I'd like to see more of your pictures. Mm -hmm. It's one of my dreams, like Take Cover was, to, to do a book like that. Um, like a mindfulness it could be with tools and stuff I've got this idea um, to do to do that so but I just want to say a big thank you because you know it's you. It, it's actually in my toolbox you know we talk about wellness toolboxes it's in there and I put it there and it um, only about a month ago I got the basket out and thought what's ha- what's in here and I opened it up and I just want to say thank you. All right, thank you. Oh, you're welcome. I mean, it's a big thing for me, photography, and I do want to put that out for people. I, 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 want, to, I want to do that more. Um, I've got this idea of uh, my own podcast as well, <laughs> but different to yours, very different to yours, and it would involve um, my photography. Lovely. So that's another idea going forward. And, and what's wonderful about all the podcasts is that they're unique, even if they're about similar things, they're all unique in their own exactly. entirety. So, Chris, it is that time when any last thoughts or questions that you have for Pauline, just thinking about the time here. I think it's just important to know that. Every single one of us is a beacon of light for someone else coming up through the start of their journey. So whatever Bev and I have provided as inspiration to victim and survivors, Pauline is now doing the same. My sister is doing the same. Every single victim and survivor, individual that's gone through trauma because of childhood abuse in all its forms, You are a beacon of light, not only to yourself, but to other people. So just know that your being here on earth is going to be really helpful for somebody else coming through. If you've got the strength to speak up, speak out, 
do something similar to what we're doing, have done, are doing, then come and join and let's help as many people as possible. And I think that's the magic of peer-to-peer. We're all peers. We support each other. I've got peer-to-peer support group. Bev, you've got one. Pauline, you've got one. And many others will, in the future, start their own something that will pay it forwards for other people. So that's where the magic is. I think you've said that so well. I'm sitting yeah, here <laughs> between the pair of you. I mean, we know each other anyway. I'm yeah. sitting here. I've got goosebumps yeah. on me. So, uh, Pauline, you get the last say here. Any thoughts for yourself? Well, I'm just going to keep that beacon of light shining and really um, going forward. Um, just to... Just to just to see those ladies that come into my group, to see them grow and their journey. And then for me to learn from them as well. It's like, just like what Chris was just saying about passing on that, that, that knowledge and, and if you, you know, um, yeah, I'll just, my mom, you know, just to be able to help that one person you know, makes you want to help the next one and the next one and the next one. And we've all within us. And and you say about tools, that's really important as well, to have those tools and that self-care. Well, you're speaking to the right person because that's the one thing I think most people get fed up of me saying, self-care, self-care, self-care. And talking about self-care, anybody listening today, um, we have been talking about different subjects of abuse. And as always, please take a moment to think about where you are. Just check in with yourself. And do you need any support from anybody? Take cover. Um, we will put information for people to connect with you, Pauline. You. Um, and I'll be honest, and as people have heard, it doesn't matter where you are in your recovery. It doesn't matter if you're professional or not. Peer-to-peer is something that is so valuable. You know, I get so much from it going as Beverly, you know. And there are times I go as a professional in different capacities, but when I'm going as Beverly, you still take something back from it. And you know what the biggest thing is for me, my last word, is being able to look at another person and think, wow, there are some things I don't need to say to you, and we just know that, no, it's okay. Yeah. So it's thank you from me, Pauline. Thank you for me. Yeah. Thank thank you from from Chris. And thank you from me. Thank you both for having me on your podcast. Always welcome, Pauline. And thank you so much. You're welcome. Bye for now, everyone. Bye. 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 Bye.